Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Monsters. I'm Mike. I'm Allison. And after taking a few weeks off, we're back fresh and we have a new episode for you. I know we promised that we were going to continue our series on deranged families and we are going to get to that. We're going to do an episode on the Rob Zombie movies and... Um, Last House on the Left. Last House on the Left, right? That's the other one. What else was promised? I can't remember now. Oh, uh, we're going to do It. Okay, but that's not part of the deranged family saga. I thought it Is it? I don't know. Well, you said we're going to do like a Sid Haig Sid Haig, right. Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> so it's uh, Devil's Rejects, uh, House of a Thousand Corpses, and then Sid Haig, and then also Last House on the Left, the 1972 film. Not the 2017 one or whatever. Disaster? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it's a disaster, but it ain't the same. I'm sure that. Yeah, it's a disaster. Whatever. Anyway, we wanted to uh, get back to our vampire rules because there's a really important one that we forgot about, and that is not so much that vampires have to return to their coffin when the sun comes up, but... It's actually, that rule is an extension of the fact that vampires have to return to the earth that they were originally buried in. So that's really where the coffin rule comes from. It's actually, because in all of the vampire stories, most of them at least, the ones who know the folklore, it's not that Dracula or a vampire or whoever has to return to his, his or her coffin. It's that the coffin has soil from the original burial ground. So the vampire has to return to its soil. And this is an extension of uh, European folklore that says that vampires are essentially trapped. They're kind of like ghosts where they can only roam within a certain area because they can never get too far away from their earth before the sun comes up. And this is also where the vampire rule of vampires can't cross running water. Oh, is that why? Because it's like denotes a border? Right. Or something that's it's, interesting. Yeah, because yeah, in, in older times, you know, like a, a river would be the boundary between, you know, one province or another. It's and interesting. Yeah, so it's all sort of connected to geography, actually. Yeah, and I, th I think if you're like me and you see, like, at least in the, you know, the Bella goes, see Dracula and stuff. It has like a, it has like a xenophobia type of message to it. I think you can interpret that into like he's not going to assimilate, you know, like he's coming here but he's going to bring all his ways with him, which is of course like what the the English people in the story, they don't want that. Right. So, you know. Well, yeah, of course, because when Stoker wrote Dracula in 1897, that was the age of colonies and uh, people moving around and immigration into the United States. And so, you know, there was a lot of that going on. And there were a lot of Eastern Europeans coming into Western Europe. There were a lot of Southern Europeans coming into Western and Northern Europe. And that's where the xenophobia is, you know, not not to mention people coming from Asia or areas that were further away. Yeah. You know, even more foreign and strange. <laughs> and to the English. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To the English and the Americans to a certain yeah. degree. I mean, remember, you know, uh, Stoker includes Quincy Morris in the story, who's an American. That's so. true. Well, it is Victorian time. So, yeah, the Americans were just as stuffy at that point. <laughs> Not quite as stuffy as the British, but still. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so the earth. So this is this is a really old and important rule uh, in vampire mythology. Basically, it's one of those things where I think just coffins are cooler, I guess, in movies. It's just cooler to see the vampire go into a coffin as opposed to the vampire can really just go into any box or crate or anything, as long as it has the soil. That's the important part. So in the original Dracula, he's putting dirt from you know his original burial place in inside of the coffin. He's sleeping on the dirt 
that he was originally buried in. Yeah, he's like a part of it. And this is something we wanted to segue into because over our little four or five week break, we actually went and saw a movie. And we usually don't do this. We usually don't discuss current movies and we'll be careful not to give you any spoilers. Uh, but we went and saw a movie and do you want to mention what it is? And Oh yeah, okay. So we saw The Last Voyage of the Demeter. It was pretty good, I think. Uh, it leaves some stuff to be desired, but you know, basically the thing that we wanted to like mention is that part of the whole like crux of the story, I mean, the whole reason they're on the ship in the first place is because Dracula is transporting his like crates of earth to England, like from um, from Transylvania, I guess. And yeah, he has a lot of them. In the Bela Lugosi one, he says that he's only bringing three boxes and that's it, like no other luggage. But in this one, he has 50 crates. They're like filling up the ship. Yeah, so, 50 yeah. crates <laughs> filled with dirt, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, in this movie, Dracula is really, like, he's bringing a lot. He's going to, like, start his own garden and stuff. You yeah. Know? He's going to get into <laughs> agriculture, which is kind of funny because Demeter is the Greek god for agriculture. For, yeah, for the harvest. <laughs> yeah, so, so I don't know. Maybe there's some sort of connection there. And um, we usually don't, like, do full-on reviews of movies, so I don't want to get too much into reviewing the movie. But it is a really great example, like Allison said, of, you know, the whole point of the journey is that, you know, Dracula paid to have his cargo transported from Transylvania to to London because he needed that earth to be taken to London so that he could start his, you know, his new life there, you know? Yeah. And, um, of course, people who know the book, and it is sort of referenced in the movie, uh, the original Dracula, but more so in Nosferatu. I think the scene where Dracula's on the ship and he's basically, you know, attacking and menacing the crew <laughs> is really well depicted in that 1922 Nosferatu and also Herzog's 1979 version. It is, it is an important part of the story. Yeah, Except you don't see him attack anybody. You just see afterwards. They, they People just talk about it. They're like, oh, yeah, there was no survivors, you know, and stuff. Yeah. And, <laughs> but I got to say, I mean, in both of those films, but mainly 1922, F.W. Murnau, uh, some of those classic shots that make that film so creepy, some of the scariest scenes in that movie are during that the journey, the voyage of the Demeter. And uh, there's that scene where Nosferatu just rises straight up like he's like stiff as a board yeah. out of the coffin. That's really creepy. <laughs> yeah. And then there's also the scene where he's walking on on the deck of the ship during the storm and there's it's just beautiful German expressionist yeah, you know, shadows and that's the one that Herzog replicated like pretty spot on. So for people who don't know the story or the, mainly the book is that there's you know this whole sequence in the book where Dracula hires this, you know, pays to have this his cargo taken on the Demeter, and there's a captain's log. The ship actually arrives at Whitby, and it crashes, sort of um, sort of shipwrecked on the coast during a storm. And when the, uh, their version of the Coast Guard, like when they find, when they go to investigate the ship, you know, it's all the records are on the ship, but there's no survivors, and, you know, they find a few dead bodies, and um, they also see a, a white dog that actually looks more like a wolf sort of running from the scene. Mm, they and, didn't have that in the movie. <laughs> yeah, and that's how you know it's Dracula. That's how you know Dracula basically survived the whole shipwreck and is now in London. 
and he's I can't remember now off the top of my head um, how he got his boxes to uh, Carfax Abbey, uh, the, the property that he bought from Renfield, not from Renfield, from, from Harker. From Harker, <laughs> right? Yeah, I was confusing the, the the original Dracula with the you know with the Bella Lugosi <laughs> one. Somehow he d- he does get his Earth to these places. The cargo gets to where Dracula needs it to be, and so this movie is really it's it's a very clever film when you think of the premise because they're they're making a whole movie out of something that's just a side note in the book yeah. you know and they create these characters and um, the characters are very strong in this film I think I th- this film had a lot of potential <laughs> um, to be like a great horror film and um, and you just get to go on this ship ride with these these people the, the very diverse crew and they don't know it they have no clue that you know, Dracula, this, you know, very famous, you know, fiend is on their ship and very shortly he's going to be attacking them and and drinking their blood. The problem with the plot, something that we all know going into it, is that when we know Dracula wins, yeah. because it's the the film is marketed as the last voyage of the Demeter. And if you know the book, then you know what happened to it. It shipwrecks on the coast at Whitby. And so we know Dracula gets away. The story is basically woven. It segues from the book. And then there's this whole story that doesn't exist in the book which is the movie. And then at the end of the movie, it sort of flows back into the book, like where it would continue and where the regular story of Dracula would continue on, right? Yeah. So we just get to see this little middle slot that, uh, you know, is, is just a new fictional creation, you know, tacked into it, which is kind of cool. Yeah. But the problem, like I said, it's not a huge problem, but somewhat of a problem is that we know Dracula wins. So how does this story remain suspenseful? Like it's sort of like watching a football game that you know you already know who's going to win. You know, <laughs> I mean, what's the point? You know, so they had to create characters, additional characters who most likely wouldn't have even been in the book. It's sort of like, well, what what we didn't, what Stoker didn't tell you about the Demeter was that there were these other people and so on and so forth. They might have survived, they might not have survived, but that's how their suspense in the whole thing. Well, okay, in the movie, the interesting thing is that the only box that has like maggots and stuff in it is the one that Dracula is in. He has like, you know, like spe- special mechanisms on his <laughs> on his cop. I mean, it's not even a coffin, it's a crate. It's like literally just like a giant crate. The other thing is that all of his crates have his dragon seal on it. It like plays into the movie because this one guy at the very beginning, he sees the dragon seal and then he says he doesn't want to be on the ship anymore because, yeah, because uh, he, know, he knows Yeah, he knows what's up. Because <laughs> Dracula Dracula is Romanian for dragon and so he knows what that means. Yeah. And so right there he's like, "No, I'm out of here." You yeah. know. And he like really wanted to be on the crew. Like he needed the money, yeah. in it, but when he saw that, he's like, "I'm out of here." Like, <laughs> I know he's you like know? it's not worth it. Right. But, but yeah, I guess the maggots being in the box it's to say that like that's the only box that has like a body in it or something like that well, or like yeah without giving too much away it's it's not the only body um, <laughs> th- there's there's another body that's brought onto the ship but it really does i mean the reason why we wanted to talk about this vampire rule and segue it into this current film is because of the importance of the earth and a lot of the uh, drama starts to ratchet up when there's a, a big storm and then the, the ship is almost sideways and some of the crates fall over and then a couple of them, or at least one of them opens up, right? Yeah. And then they see that, oh my God, this is just dirt. The maggot thing is kind of interesting because it's the first time I've ever seen, I mean, among the, the classic Dracula stories, movies, Nosferatu and Bela Lugosi and all of that, or even some of the remakes, it's interesting how it's usually rats, 
It's usually yeah. like in in um, Herzog's remake of Nosferatu. It's rats. So the, they have the crates on the ship, and when the ship, it's a little, he changes some things from the book, but when the ship arrives at the port. Uh, it's just infested with rats. And it's not really maggots. This this movie, they decided to make it maggots. And in addition to that, which is kind of strange, the ship already had rats on it. Because yeah, I guess most and, ships did. And then the guy days. says that the rats all jumped overboard when right. they realized Dracula was on. <laughs> yeah, so that, that's kind of a weird... T- I don't know. I mean, to me, that's kind of a head-scratcher because I've always associated rats with Dracula. I yeah, think most like horror Renfield's, fans... Yeah, Renfield's little speech. <laughs> yeah, I think most horror fans associate rats with... Like, rats feel really at home with Dracula because there's this other aspect which we mentioned before about Dracula being a metaphor. Dracula himself is really just a metaphor for disease. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's already been like long established and everything. Right. Not that he's a a person who's spreading a disease, but he literally is the disease. Yeah, he's like the disease incarnate. Right. And so, you know, of course, we think of the plague and then, of course, the fleas that are on the rats. And so the association with rats is very well ingrained in this in these stories and in this, you know, modern mythology of vampires. So in this film, I don't know, maybe the director or the writer didn't really know vampire mythology that well and just thought, well, let's just have rats on the ship because in those days, most ships, most cargo ships had rats. They had all kinds of you know, infestations. <laughs> but then these rats, when they realize that there's that huge presence of evil on the ship, the rats would rather just drown themselves and jump off the ship and, and die, which yeah. I don't know, that just seems a little... <laughs> I, I don't know. I think well, they could have done better with that one. Yeah, or unless Dracula ate them because the guy didn't, he didn't actually literally say that the rats jumped overboard. He just said like, oh, all the rats disappeared. So, yeah, I, I don't, don't know, know if Dracula's <laughs> going to spend his time chasing on each each individual rat. <laughs> well, he could, maybe he could like hypnotize them to come over to him. But yeah. I thought of something else. I just remembered. You know, I'm not like the biggest Anne Rice fan, but I heard online that in one of the books, there's like a flashback or something, I think, and... Lestat's mom is in it, and she's a vampire, too. And she says that, like, because basically she wants to be, like, an Earth-like spirit, so she doesn't use a coffin. She just buries herself, like, into the ground in the forest, and nobody finds her because she's, like, deep into the forest, you know? So she just digs herself a burrow, I guess, and then just, like, puts the dirt, like, over herself. Right. So, I, mean, I don't yeah. know. That's what I heard. I don't know if that's in there, but, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's, just, that's just showing that Anne Rice, you know, knew enough about the importance of that rule, the earth rule. That yeah. you, don't, you don't need a box. You don't need a coffin. But you do need to be laying on the dirt. But going back to the rat thing, I mean, obviously, at least in the 20th century, the closest connection between rats and and vampires is Nosferatu, not only because he could be the personification of disease, but also because of his fangs. Remember, yeah, he, he was has given rat fangs. he has the rat <laughs> fangs, and okay, you know, rats have those two front teeth. They're not fangs. They're not pointy um, as much as they are just buck teeth yeah. that they use to to chew and bite. But of course, Nosferatu had you know really pointy rat fangs, you yeah. know? So, uh, so that, you know, once again, there's just this association with rats that this particular movie, I mean, if I had to guess, I would just say they just didn't even understand that connection or, or didn't, or, or just wanted to change it for some reason, which I don't know, doesn't really make any sense to me. Yeah, who knows? But, I, you know, I, I think it's okay. I mean, I'm not going to recommend a film or, or, you know, say it's great or you should definitely should go see it or, uh, or, or tell you that it's horrible and don't go see it. 
But I think it's fair to say uh, what I think about, tell you what I think about the vampire. And for me, this is the biggest problem with this film. I think this film had a lot of potential. It's really a beautiful film to yeah. watch. Yeah, it's cool looking. The, the set is just great. The way they recreate the ship and everything, it's, like I said, the cast is great. Uh, Corey Hawkins is the main guy, and he's really good in it. Uh, Liam Cunningham's really good. Um, so the performances are strong. The writing's okay. But where it loses me is in how they depict Dracula. If you're going to have this uh, a mini uh, story, and it's directly <laughs> taken from the novel, even when you're sitting in the theater before the movie starts, it even says, this story is from Bram Stoker's Yeah, loud and clear. They yeah. even point out, like, it's chapter seven. The chapter is called The Captain's Log or yeah. something like that. Yeah, so I mean, <laughs> and like I said, they went through the trouble of weaving it into, you know, where Dracula, you know, where you would be in the book, and then... Um, and then at th towards the end of this film where it weaves back into the regular Dracula story. And yet they choose to depict Dracula as my least favorite kind of vampire of them all, which is like the hissing, the hissing Yeah, vampire. he's like a demon. He really is not, that is not the scariest kind of Dracula. I'm sorry, because, you know, that's kind of like Salem's Lot. But even in Salem's Lot, like you said before when we did that show, even that Dracula had some sort of telepathic powers or something. Yeah. Like he was this vampire is really, I would have to say, like a force of nature. I would say that he what he has most in common with is like the alien monster. And yeah, as a matter of fact, this movie is really like remaking alien. Yeah, I think they I think the people that worked on the movie admitted that yeah. that they were inspired by it or yeah. something, something and like that. It owes more to the original Alien than it does, uh, you know, what it could have been, and which is kind of a disappointment. And I love Alien. That's one of my favorite horror sci-fi films of all time. But it, it, if that were the case, then just make it something else. Like the fact that it's, you know, you're basing it in this universe of a Dracula who is a Dracula with continental charm who can talk, mm -hmm. who hosts Jonathan Harker and like sits with him and they they sip brandy and they talk about history. Yeah. And then later on in the book, he's, you know, he's he can function in the world. He walks around. This vampire, at least on the ship, he's really just like the alien mind. Like he never, he doesn't really talk. He's just. Yeah, he doesn't talk. He's very reptilian and uh, he's constantly morphing, which I think is kind of cool. But yeah, it's not exactly like what you think of as a vampire. It would have been it would have been better suited if they had like added one little scene in it to imply that like he's actually an alien or something like that landed on the ship or something like that. I don't know how they would have done that, but... <laughs> but then it would have had nothing <laughs> like, to do with the book. I know, but that would be like a super twist. That would be like, oh, we're basing it on this chapter of Dracula. We're like really putting a twist on it, like... Oh, there are no vampires or aliens. Or right, so. right. But, but then how do you explain everything that led up to that scene? That's the I don't problem. Know, man. Yeah, I don't so know. it doesn't. I mean, but, they said the movie was being developed for like 20 years, so I'm sure some things fell through the cracks. Yeah, I mean, I just, the final decision to go with that kind of vampire is such a disappointment. It's, it's such a huge, because like what makes a vampire such a unique monster is the fact that, you know, they can blend in with us that they have that ability to rationalize and that's what that's a power that they have so it's not like the alien monster can just like blend into society and walk around and then when he's alone with someone then reveal his true self like ah I'm the alien monster <laughs> that's what a vampire can do that's a power but in this movie they just depict the vampire as he's just the alien monster not trying to disguise himself or anything and it even feels like the attacks 
are not because he's evil. The attacks actually come across more like, well, he's just trying to survive. Yeah, he know? seems like a hungry animal yeah. and stuff. Like in the beginning, he's like super pitiful. Yeah, they probably would have done better if they made him more like the hat man or something like that. That would have been so trippy. <laughs> Once again, they couldn't do that because the, the whole point of this movie was to be an insert. It's an insert in the book, and then you are just you just get to see that. And so yeah. it has to connect to the book. But anyway, that's all we're going to give away. We don't want to, you know, we don't want to get too deep into it and spoil it for you. Yeah, um, just watch the theatrical trailer. You'd probably give away the whole movie anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> if, if you watch a trailer, you'll see. You'll, it, it, I'm pretty sure in the trailer they show enough of the vampire or Dracula, whatever. You know, I, I have a hard time even calling him Dracula. <laughs> yeah, I, he's not Dracula. I mean, at the end, they show him, he's like, as human as he's going to get, I guess. But he doesn't, yeah, it's not the same. And he still looks like, you know, <laughs> if you if you saw that guy, like, in a bar, you'd be like, okay, that's not a human being. Yeah, he looks you know? like Morbius when he's in vampire form, which is not, like, that human. Yeah. Anyway, that's our take on vampires needing to be buried in their own earth and how it extended to the last voyage of the Demeter. <laughs> Bye. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, leave us five stars and a review. Thanks.